Hey there, it's Brian. On this episode of Heart to Heart, we speak with career coach and podcaster Dallas Travers. Dallas is a dynamic presence and her unique individualized approach to career guidance has won her acclaim in the acting community as well as other industries. This episode is filled with her empowering thoughts on how actors can strike a balance between taking risks and maintaining security. Plus, you'll get a super rare peek behind the curtain as Dallas dives into the behind the scenes of one-on-one next level and shares her thoughts on what sets us apart in the industry. Before you listen, you've got to grab our backstage pass. It's packed with Dallas's top tips, insider advice, and additional resources that will give you a competitive edge. You can grab the backstage pass by going to podcastbackstagepass.com. You know, it's funny, Dallas, you know, because I was thinking to you and I, would, I was like, what's a good way that you could flip the chair for just a second? Because Dallas is going to come so prepared. I know you very well. And I was like, but I want to share with Dallas something to, to kick this off. So Dallas, I love this phrase and it goes for your clients. It goes for our clients, goes for everybody. Mm-hmm. But there is a favorite besides, I'm sure I'll say a couple things later about Bill Shakespeare. But there's this modern day athlete, Dallas, and you may not be aware of his quotes, but he says some incredible quotes. So here's one of the many quotes he says that I just love. He says, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. And by the way, it's Wayne Gretzky. Oh, it's Gretzky. Yeah. 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 So, and, and then he says variations of it too, Dallas. Like he'll say, yeah. I just want you to listen to this one, then we can talk. But the thing that's related to it, he'll do variations of that. He says, only one thing is ever guaranteed. That is that you will definitely not achieve the goal if you don't take the shot. Yeah. And I'm just thinking just in terms of your listeners, right? Actors. I think like an industry or a profession where rejection is built into the equation. Like if you are an actor, you're signing up to be rejected. That can create the sense of paralysis for people and it becomes easy or they can fake their way into thinking they're taking the shot when really they're just maneuvering around the goal over and over and over again without ever shooting, right? That's right. Getting another new set of headshots. Like how is that actually going to help you? (laughs) Brian and I go through this all the time. We just completed like an LA, the LA Super Showcase for actors yeah. who just recently moved here and also actors live here, but especially for the actors who've recently moved here or, or thinking about moving here, they'll say like, mm, I don't think I'm going to do it. I, I have an agent here in, in New York and I'm, I'm pretty set for a while. And I'm like, okay, let me ask you, how many auditions, television and film auditions or auditions has your agent gotten you in the last year? Two. I'm like, so right. you're actually having the nerve to say that you have an agent. And they've, you've gone on on two auditions in one full year. And that's why you're not going to put yourself out there to take the shot in Los Angeles because they want to hide behind that feeling of like, well, if I don't take the shot, I made everything. I didn't miss anything. Yeah. So I can feel good about myself. Yes. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a risk averse person at all. So this, uh, I just, yeah, I absolutely agree. And it's so true. And I wonder for someone who is just more naturally more risk averse or someone who has a value of security, how does this idea translate for them? 
right? Yeah. Like I, even my husband is much more risk averse than I am. And he, <laughs> I was sharing actually, here's how to know the difference between the two of us. If we have to hang a painting on the wall, Andrew will research the type of plaster we have in our wall. And then he'll go and he'll consult with two people at Home Depot to get the perfect kind of nails. And he'll use a level and just do all of the things to get the picture just so. I run to Target and grab sticky tape, (laughs) stick it on the back of the picture and glue it to the wall. And that's my solution. And there's... That's such a a description of how different we are. So I'd be curious to know how he or someone like him would relate to this idea of just go for it, Mm -hmm. right? Because for some people, just going for it is not as easy. Mm -hmm. But I got to say, Dallas, when you were talking about that blend is a winning formula. You know, your husband, the way he approaches it, the way you approach it, you meet in the middle, you get a lot of things done in a really good way that way. Well, and I'm also realizing the picture still gets hung, right? So if we're mm-hmm. using this Gretzky analogy, he's also taking the shot. Yeah. The way we do it is just different. He's just doing a lot of preparation. Yeah. This, this kind yeah. of describes how I work and how Mark works. Oh, no, no. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like you could even call us frickin' frack or whatever. But he's right. <laughs> Brian really is you know, meticulous. He's thorough, thank God, especially in this day and age. Uh-huh. This is a key phrase for Brian, okay? Once again, Wayne Gretzky, and then I'll drop him. Okay. A good hockey player plays where the puck is. A great hockey player plays where the puck is going to go. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Brian plays where the puck's heading. And he's always thinking that way. And he's always like, okay, what can I do to prepare? Mm -hmm. I don't want to have even a class posted three weeks before. It has to be scheduled months before. We want to get this thing done. We want everything way in advance because we don't want to have an earthquake happen and then we have to like be frantic. Yes. Right. So Brian, what is that like for you in an industry where things change so rapidly and just even the casting process is so much of hurry up and wait? So how do you maintain your mental health (laughs) being a planner in an industry that isn't really about planning? That's something I still work on because it does drive me nuts. (laughs) But the way I view it now is because I know there's going to be earthquakes, it's inevitable. Like we have it daily. We have so many events. I know it's like the 90% that I can control, the 90% of the ones that I can kind of like tuck away, I'm going to do it. So I have the bandwidth to handle the daily earthquakes. But it's when, you know, everything is an earthquake that, you know, I I go crazy. I don't like. (laughs) Right. So you do everything to make sure that the earthquake is caused by something outside of your control, right? Yeah. If it's it within your control, you've got it. Yeah, that's I tell our staff. I was like, the industry is going to lob, and, and the actors, just, they're going to lob so many curveballs at us where like, if we make a mistake, then it compounds the issue. So we have to make sure everything we do, that we dot the I's, we cross the T's, we don't make mistakes on our end, we're early, we're ahead of the deadline, because it's inevitable that the curveballs are going to be thrown our way, and we need the bandwidth to deal with that. Whereas yeah. if we're too busy correcting our own mistakes, there's no way we can do that and deal with curveballs incoming. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I'll give you an example. If there was a dinner party I was having, we were having, mm-hmm. probably like, you know, hour or two before I'd set the table. Brian, the night before, he's setting that table. And this way, it's done. No matter what happens the next day, you're ready. And you know what? It's really taught me. It's like I always thought, Mine was enough. I'll sit it like, you know, an hour or two hours before they come. Something happens. 
you're screwed. Brian's way, you're always covered. We had one for our LA Super Showcase this time where we had a flake and I overbooked by one. And Mark was like, oh, it should be fine before Sunday. And I was like, no, no, no. I like to I like to just have a replacement and still be overbooked because sometimes they just don't show up. Like you just don't know. They just no show. Sure enough, Sunday we had a no show. Wow, Brian. And had we not overbooked by one until the very last minute, we would have been underbooked by one, which yeah. is no good. And, and here's the thing I still can't get over. You know, it's, I mean, we're in an industry where they're mostly talking to actors saying, be on time, be on uh, early, you know, uh, you know, always. And then meanwhile, not only do some people have the nerve not to show, but they won't even get in touch with us or even offer to replace themselves. Right. Yeah. The main thing is, is that there are people everywhere who are very conscientious and some people aren't in, in any field, in any. So, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of being in the human experience. Yeah. Well, I want to start this interview from the beginning, if that's okay with you. This is your 30th year in business. And given the last two, I guess, going on three years, it's remarkable. So does that mean you, you put an asterisk on those three yeah. years because of COVID? Like an, or an extra gold star or something. Yeah. We add another decade, actually. So congratulations on 40 years in business. <laughs> but I think our listeners or your listeners would be interested, Mark, to hear how one-on-one got started. So can you take us behind the scenes there and tell the story of how it began? Twofold. When I was an actor, I experienced enough, I think it was one time, what it was like to be in the room in an industry-related, let's just say, workshop. Mm -hmm. And um, having that weird experience where, in this case, it was for a a, a talent agent and everybody, pretty much there was a QA and a where everybody asked these questions. And then one by one, everybody got up and did a monologue and had to listen to each other. And uh, the people running it actually thought, the actors were supporting each other by being in the room. And as an actor, I felt like the negative energy in the room because everybody else is so concerned about their turn. They're not even watching what's in front of them. And it really disturbed me. It was a, it was a really yucky, mm. yucky feeling. So that's number one. And then number two, when I had decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to look into other avenues in this business. I worked at a talent agency out here. I was filling in for someone at a talent agency. And I really got to see firsthand by working the front desk how many actors who had just moved from New York were dropping off their headshots at the time and and or mailing a beautiful cover letter that they prepared with the headshot, wanting it to get into the agent's hands so that the agent would give them an appointment to come in. It never made it to the agent's hands, whether it was dropped off or the mail. One of my responsibilities I was given is to throw them all away. So, you know, that was a big wake up call. Totally. So then I got to see how, you know, it is very difficult. How do you get in the door when it's it's not so easy sometimes just because uh, maybe you didn't go to Yale or the agent didn't come and see you there? How do you get seen? But at the same time, if it's in an unprofessional atmosphere... You know, yeah. they're not, they're not going to go there either. The, what can be done? Right. So what, what I'm hearing you say is you saw a problem that needed to be solved and you understood. And part of it is, you know, you had just have a brain that works this way, Mark, but also just the serendipity or the luck that had to be on your side 
is also so magical to me. But you saw that it isn't just enough for actors to be in front of people who can help them. The environment has to be conducive for the actor to shine. That's right. And I see how I'm lucky because I get to see a little bit of the operations of your company. And that is an intention that you have held for these 30 years, really putting the actor experience first so they truly are set up for success. And I personally, I may be a little biased, but I think that is the reason why you're still standing 30 years later. And you are hands down, without objection, the leader in this field. So you like you set the pace and it's the intention that you and you, Brian, bring into the service you provide. Well, thank you, Dallas. But I, I will say the thing that you said, the it, it is true, and this is what I really want the actors to, to convey to the, is that when you set the intention on something you truly believe in, yeah, part of the success is the luck that comes your way. And mm-hmm. I'm so thankful because let me tell you something, I wouldn't have crossed paths with you. I certainly wouldn't have crossed paths with Brian, who really came from you all these intangibles would not have happened had the intention been strong enough. But then even then, I'm, I'm, I'm refraining from saying because I'm going to turn people off, but you know, that God comes into play. That yeah. when there's something good that you're doing, then you're going to get some help because I would definitely not have not be here today without all the luck and fortune from something much higher than myself that that came my way. And Mark, it was your intention too from the beginning that you wanted this place to be where like good trained professional actors. And I think then, I mean, even now, but back then that was probably like a mind people like you're turning away business. Like you're not accepting all the actors that would want to come in and pay and just be, you know, and I think you had the intention of making this someplace different. But, but selfishly, yeah. what he's saying, Dallas, is I couldn't take a, a, a dollar from someone who, who wasn't ready yet in their acting career. And there's, mm-hmm. there, this is a business that does attract a certain percentage of people that want to make a fast dollar in a quick way because they see like George Clooney or uh, in today's right. world, somebody else getting paid like $20 million for a film. It doesn't just happen out of nowhere, but the temptation is there to follow that path. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Hey, it's Brian. I'm dropping in on an important announcement. What you need to know is you have more control over your career than you think. The thing standing between you and the career you want is your connections. And that's where one-on-one next level comes in. If you are not a member yet, you can apply to join at oneononenextlevel.com. Press pause and do that now. If you are already a member and you are ready to get back on track, we want to invite you to book a strategy session with us led by myself personally. We will help you prioritize which classes make the most sense given your career goals. You can find these under the resource hub in your account portal. We can't wait to hear your success story. Okay, Brian, I'm going to hand you the microphone. So I have so many questions, but fill our listeners in on how you became Frick out of this frickin' frack combination here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in a way, as Mark said, Dallas, it had mostly all to do with you because we had known each other. I I took, uh, I was an acting major at NYU in my senior year of college. I took your great program in New York and Mm -hmm. then stayed in touch. I'd done more of your stuff. And then I, I think I got an email from you saying, would you be interested in the programming associate opening at Next Level? And I was like, 
this is a big job. Like, I don't think I can do this. And I think I even got on a phone call with you and you were saying, Brian, I think this is like, you're perfect for this job because you get it, but you're also organized. Like you understand the business, but you're also business savvy. And I think it took a few times for me to finally, like I'd spoken to Mark and I like, I wasn't sure this was, this was for me. I was like, what am I getting myself into? Well, because I had taken classes at one-on-one in New York and it was like, yes. you, know, you walk into the space and it's an intimidating, huge yeah. operation. And, you know, at the time, Next Level was a smaller operation, but, you know, I still didn't know if I had the ability to do it. So I jumped right in and as programming associate and, yeah, and, and learned a lot. And we went through a lot of interesting, that that was kind of the start of some of the, the drama in LA at the time. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. was a, I had a very short time to get acclimated to what was going on. And then I think I was probably at next level for maybe like three or four years before Mark had approached me, I think seeing how well LA was run and asking me if I wanted to also basically oversee New York and yeah. do the same for New York. And um, that's how I became Frick. That's how you became Frick. It's, <laughs> I have to confess, because it's not like we hung out Brian, like I knew you and you knew me, but I honestly, other than just having, seeing your work ethic and just having a gut feeling, it really does feel serendipitous that I, that out of all of the names I could have mentioned to you, Mark, that it was Brian, right? Are you kidding? When when I, and by the way, this is really great for, for actors to learn, you know, it, it, we all come to those times in your life where you, you have to ask other people for help. So mm-hmm. I was asking those close to me, you being one of them, for like, hey, listen, do you know anyone? I need some help here at the office. And the way you respond, you went, I think I have the perfect person. Let me check back with you in a day or two after I check with him. I think I have it. And the way you said it, because I had been through that before with some people who referred somebody and it just didn't work out. I was like, I'm going to wait for Dallas to call. Yeah, yeah. It's something. It's and it's like you said, Dallas. It's not like we hung out or we saw each other every day. Or so I, I also don't yeah. know how I how I was in your head because it's not like I was like probably one of many people that worked with you. But you know what's coming to mind for me, and I don't know who said this quote first, but it's the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And so this is a takeaway for the listeners today right? Like the way you're showing up in the waiting room before you go into an audition, the way you sign off on your email signature, like all of these little things, the way you treat the front desk person at next level when you're showing up to your workshop, like people notice and your reputation does precede you. And you, Brian, are just someone who I think has, who operates with impeccability, both of you actually. And that, that's why it stuck in my head because even though I had never seen you manage a, a company, <laughs> I, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And I knew you had that, the, the perfect skills for this partnership. You're right. He's the definition of it's all in the details. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, how does this apply to the people listening? It's really, really relating to yourself in every moment as the person who already has the career you want. Like, how would you behave how will you behave when and start doing that now? 
I've learned a lot about, you know, grit and about how to manage. Yeah. I always remember that this sounds, it sounds weird, but I took a, at NYU, we had a, like a theater studies class with Shakespeare and it was really yeah. hard. The profe- We were reading these like 13th century or whatever, like witchcraft books in old ancient English. And they were like eight pages long and you had to like write an essay on it. And I literally mm. felt like I was about to cry. Like I, it was so difficult. And I remember I went up to the professor. I was like, I don't think I can do this. And she was like, she was like, I'm realistic. I don't care if you take Shakespeare away in your life. I know that five years from now, like you're not going to like Shakespeare's not going to do anything for you. She was like, this class isn't about that. It's about learning how to work through something that seems impossible and make it possible. I always take that away from, uh, you know, away with me. And I apply that to the work here. Cause yeah, even when I started in LA and we had to deal with all that drama. And then, you know, when I had to run both LA and New York, it seemed impossible at first, but you just keep chipping away at it. And then it becomes possible. Yeah. Yeah. I really hear that. This, I feel like is a good time to pivot slightly because we're talking about serendipity and perseverance and impeccability, but all of these characteristics that I think are part of the recipe for success. So I would love to hear from both of you, and you can decide who goes first, but do you have a favorite actor success story, and can you share it with us? I'll let Mark go first, but I will add we have many, we have so many amazing success stories at, at one-on-one next level, like big ones too, but or unless you want me to go first. No, no, but whatever, whatever you prefer. I'll go. I'll, I'll go first. I think Mark yeah. has some of the great iconic ones. Yeah. One I have. It's for example, we've had people who've they're on SNL now, and after have gone through multiple of our programs and got their agent here, we've had people become series regular. You know, all that stuff. But yeah. one type of success story that really uh, resonates with me is so when I first started in LA, I was you know going through our programming, and Mark normally every year goes to Sundance, and um, one of the gems you know at our studios, he's been able to secure filmmaker classes. So filmmakers yeah. from Sundance that he watches their movies and goes to their screenings, talks to their Q and A, he gets them. Here and some of our actors, they're cast in the in the table reads or the workshops or the actual films of you know these filmmakers who you know regularly go to film festivals. So then I saw that and that inspired me to have classes with TV directors and executive producers and writers and showrunners in LA because it's more TV, less you know indie film that I think that that was really popular in New York. So you know at first. This could be a good thing or a bad thing, but there, you know, people should always have skepticism because they do know there's a lot of scams out there, and yeah. you know, so people are like, "But what's the point of these? Like, they can't cast me in anything. Like, shouldn't I just be taking a class with casting associate number five? And mm-hmm. I know from my personal experience, and this is from some of the work we had done, Dallas, reaching out to like showrunners and, and you know producers, I got great results. This guy teaches for us uh, now, uh, Adam Belanoff. He was somebody I forged a connection with. And then he was uh, the executive producer on major crimes on TNT. And I would, you know, see like roles that were right for me, like guest stars. And I would email him and he would just get me the audition for a, a guest star and be on a cast by UDK, a huge casting office. And he would always forward me the casting director's response. And it was always hilarious. It was always like, oh, like, like I love, I love this submission. I wonder why, like, we've, we've never heard of him or like, oh, great idea. I wonder why he wasn't submitted or, oh, like, you know, he should be on our list. And obviously it's like, the truth is, you know, I'm not with Gersh. So, you know, 
know, obviously they're not, you know, I'm not on your list, but that really taught me that and multiple examples taught me the power of these. So Uh I guess my favorite success story is seeing the skepticism that came of this kind of new format that I was debuting in LA. And I can name people who booked like guest stars on like network shows just from a class they took. But my favorite is we had Tom Verica, who's uh, an executive producer with Shondaland, with Shonda Rhimes. Mm-hmm. As you know, he was he played Viola Davis's husband on How to Get Away with Murder, and he he was an executive producer on Scandal and Bridgerton, and you know all that stuff. Yeah, and he did a few classes with us, and you know obviously gave great insight, such an inspiration. But the success stories that came out of that were some of our actors not being called in for an audition, but being straight offered roles on their new Netflix series. So that is, I would say, my favorite my favorite success story at our studio yeah. because it's thinking outside the box. It's not going through the traditional way. And that's something that I think we really try to incorporate in so many of the things that we do. Even if you think about our Atlanta trip had plenty of skepticism at first. We're like, you can't do that. You can't. You're like all, all the naysayers, all the that kind of stuff. And even the industry there was very skeptical. And I remember the it took us a like close to a year to get it off the ground because the industry there was so like, we don't need, you know, LA talent. We don't need New York talent. Mm -hmm. And we were able to say, give us one shot. We guarantee we'll bring you like diverse, talented, professional actors that you won't find in your local market. And ever since that first showcase we did, now the industry there fights over who gets a spot at our next showcase. And, you know, half of like 50% of our actors get meetings from that every single time. So I guess, so I guess let me modify my favorite, my favorite success story is when (laughs) we offer things that might seem out of the box and might not go the traditional route, the traditional methods. And then actors, they do it and they find success. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I love? I think for me, and I can say this because I know neither of you will, (laughs) <laughs> for me, the difference between how what you offer and most other workshops and studios for actors is you really approach this through the lens of how can we create opportunities? And it's opportunities for your teachers to come into an environment where they're really cared for and they're going to meet really talented actors and be compensated fairly for their time, but also opportunities for your actors because I think there are other uh, approaches, which are just, oh, I could like whip up a quick Zoom workshop and make some money. And that is not the priority for you all. So what you shared is such an illustration of that core value in your company. Mm -hmm. There's there's method to our madness. Do you have a favorite success story, Mark? I was cheating a little bit while while he was talking. I was was looking at some of the, the internet because you know, we've had people who to this day, uh, like Gina Rodriguez, who um, mm-hmm. was the star of Jane the Virgin, she continues to refer actors to our place. There, there are a couple that come to mind as, as far as like, uh, there, there are many, but the one is uh, that I thought of just for inspiration is um, there was a woman who did our LA trip. Uh, it was called the LA trip at the time. Now it's called the LA Super Showcase. And she came from New York and she ended up being one of the people on the experience, like people got their agent this way or manager, she did not. And she was very, you know, she was, she had her tail between her legs and we went back to New York and it was like a few months later, she had taken a class with, uh, I don't know if I can say it or not, but you know, like a prominent casting director, let's just keep it safe. Yeah. 
And they called her in uh, like a month after the class. The, the casting director remembered her. She called her in for an audition for a lead role in, in a TV show. And she booked it and she went from obscurity to becoming like uh, an actress signed with CAA. And um, to this day, she's a working actress. And so that's that's one. The other one was a guy who I was friendly with this woman at the time who was in film school. And she was at NYU film school. And she said, you have to come to my class. I'm going to sneak you in. You have to see this director talk. And he's, he's such a nice guy and we'll go out afterwards. So I went and I saw this guy named Gary Winnick. He was giving a talk and he'd only really, he'd made one feature film and it was called Sweet Nothing. Mm-hmm. And so he was so dynamic after we went out, you know, afterwards and we were talking about filmmaking and he, he had made this film and I said, would you teach? Because he, he, you could just tell this guy was so, you know, it's funny, there's a, there's a saying out Give me the person, and I'm not talking about him per se, but for anybody, give me the person who's less talented, but who has the most desire, and that will be the person that will succeed, the person with the most desire. Mm-hmm. So, so I could see this guy just had it. He had such desire. So I asked him to teach my very first film class at one-on-one at the time. This was like, uh, you know, in one of the first years. Okay. And- he showed the actors, he had them all, all the men, he gave them one set of sides for the lead man in his role in his film called Sweet Nothing. And the women, he gave the same sides. And so they came in one at a time and they, they had had the material for a couple of days and he filmed their audition. He, he filmed their mock audition. Mm-hmm. Then he showed the callbacks and the casting director at the callbacks, it was Sheila Jaffe. She was the casting director. And he showed, he had the footage of the callbacks for his film so that the actors who, the, all the female actors who had read for the, the woman lead part could see all the emerging. And at that time they were still emerging, but like Wendy McKenna was one of the women who auditioned for the role. <laughs> and um, oh, oh um, Juliana Margulies auditioned for that same role. The woman who booked the role was Mira Servino. It was her first big, big, big film. It was her first, it wasn't even a big film. It was an independent film. It was her first lead. You could clearly see by watching the film why Mira Servino booked the lead role. And then for the men, Tom Sizemore had read for the role and all of these um, young men at that time. And the guy that booked the role for the lead man was Michael Imperioli. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. could see, and he showed the, the callbacks, the footage from the casting with Sheila Jaffe. He had, he'd showed the callbacks and all the actors could see why he chose, because he's the one who chose yeah. Michael Imperioli to be in his film. At that moment, two things happened. Yes. A, a Gary and I formed a really great friendship. He was so, inc- I've never seen that happen before. And I said to myself, hey, wait a second. We've got to start filming these classes so the actors now can see themselves. And at that time, nobody was doing this. Totally. And, um, this is like the early 90s. And, 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 and we've always prided ourselves on two things. You know, like there's always this thing going around, educational purposes, educational purposes. Well, what we've always done is in our classes, we've had the, whether it's a, the casting director, the filmmaker, assign material that they've mm-hmm. worked on ahead of time to the actors so the actors could prepare it and they could learn from that nuance called preparing for the audition 
But this way they could hear it, not from an acting teacher, but someone who actually did this day to day and get the feedback and then therefore the confidence to, by doing it again and again, uh, starting to, to build that confidence so that when they did get called in for an audition, they knew exactly what, what to do. So yeah. long story short, we started um, filming all of our classes and shortly after other studios started doing it. And that's fine. They say that, what, what is it? The best uh, form of flattery is when imitation, imitation, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, I'll stop there because, um, <laughs> and then Gary, oh, and then, and then seeing how Gary went on to some amazing, I mean, he, he ended up directing like all kinds of great movies, like 13 going on 30. Um, we also at that time, a little later, had these guys who were emerging and they were they were just getting by and their names were the Duplass brothers. And they taught it one-on-one. And they brought in their friends to teach too. And so we were connecting actors with these emerging and filmmakers and too. even gave them casting space because they couldn't afford casting space. And they ended up uh, actually... Um, casting a couple one-on-one actors from that experience. Yeah. And uh, that film at the time, it was called The Puffy Chair. Seeing these this talent and from the incubator stage and just, you know, it really is all about perseverance and staying with it. Yeah. I and, love that story. Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. And it's so inspiring because it's not just for us, not just seeing the actors grow, but also the industry. It's like we've seen, there's been so many people where this person that you think is this powerhouse heavy hitter in the industry today, maybe 30 years ago, like you see in our system, they were like a like a casting assistant or like a, like a, <laughs> you know, a junior manager just starting out. And it's because we've been around for so long. Sometimes when I go through the history of you know our events, it really is like you see the arc of the progress of people's careers. Yeah, that's really fulfilling. You know, as I was listening to both of you share your feedback, I realized what an unfair question this is. And I want to reflect something to you that you may not even really be aware of, but it is not normal to have so many success stories. Mm. That is not the norm in your, you know, and I'm retired, but (laughs) I, (laughs) no, I was I was in the industry for a long time, and I'm still connected to a number of people in the industry, and that is not normal. And I realize, like, what's your favorite success story? Because most people have, like, three to choose from, but it's hard for you to even choose because, again, for me, observing you, it just goes back to the intentionality and the value you have of creating opportunities for people, and that's what's unfolded. So there are almost too many choices, but I love what you both shared there. Can we shift gears a little bit and talk about pay to play? Hey folks, Brian here. Mark and I often cringe when people call one-on-one next level a workshop studio because we are so much more than that. You and I both know that not all workshop studios are the same. And I can tell you with complete confidence that no other studio offers the same level of care or programming that we do. And we do so with pride. Here's just a few examples. I'm Emily, and before one-on-one next level, I was in a super dark place in my career. I tried a lot of things to find representation, but nothing seemed to work and I felt invisible. Then almost as a Hail Mary, I signed up for a manager session. It was incredible, but it was also the thing to land me a manager. Since then, I booked a national commercial, I've gone on to create a thriving voiceover career and signed with an agent all through these classes and programs. One-on-one Next Level has been the single most important thing that's influenced my acting career and life in so many ways. I'm Neil. In the last year, I booked two co-stars and one top-of-show guest star on major TV series. 
I also shot my first lead in a feature film. In fact, I've hit 20 big milestones thanks to the connections that I've made in classes at one-on-one -on -one next level. The key has been getting in front of casting directors, and that's why I love one-on-one -on -one next level. If you're not a member yet, what are you waiting for? Every actor deserves face time with the people in the business who can move your career forward, and one-on-one -on -one next level can help you do that. Did you know one-on-one -on -one next level produces over 335 events and classes each month? Whether you join us in person or attend on Zoom, you could meet with A-list casting directors, filmmakers, TV showrunners, and executive producers, as well as agents and managers when you become a member. These days, it's harder and harder to get real face time with industry pros, but one-on-one -on -one next level makes it possible. To become a member, visit www.oneononenextlevel.com and click join. We can't wait to hear your success story. One more thing, Dallas. You know, the one thing I, I, I want to say is, you know, you really are only as good as the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever you do in life, you know, really be cognizant of the people you surround yourself with. And it'll be no coincidence why you will see yourself achieve because of that. Yeah. Which is such a strong argument for like to back up your practice of really only accepting actors into your studio who are ready. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause that helps like, what is that? A rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. So you're really putting that into play. Before we talk about the, uh, the other thing, can I also add in while we're still in the success story part, some of our favorite success stories isn't necessarily even, we have some great ones of, you know, people from getting success from our classes and our programming, but also we have tons of actors who connect with each other. And that's something mm -hmm. that in our 30th year, we hear so much about people like, hey, I found a community of artists, uh, not just from the industry I took classes with, but the other actors in the room. And from there we did film. We got married. We did, we, we did, you know, we collaborated and that's been some of, you know, our favorite stuff to hear as well. <laughs> yeah. That's really fun. All right. So we are going to talk about pay to play. Sure. So when someone throws that term at you or says, ah, studios, that's just pay to play. And almost like has that attitude of being better than or ostracizing this format. What is your response to that? Who goes first? You go first. Well, <laughs> without thinking, Dallas, because that's me. Yeah. He thinks, I don't think. <laughs> no, without thinking. I, first word that comes out in, into my head is derogatory. Okay, so, so that's the first thing. Number two, we actually are cognizant of the time it takes for a casting director to not only go through the materials of the students in their classes yeah. and look at the footage, if they have footage, look at the picture and resume, and then on top of it, assign material that they feel they'd be right for and to think in, or, or that they'd like to see them prepare for. And utilizing that time to show our appreciation and you know, not just appreciation, but that's the way the world works, we do reward them for that time that they spend in doing those things at our studio. So I certainly don't look at it as pay to play. Uh, I look at it as if you wanted today to, um, let's just say, um, have someone teach at your studio, uh, chances are, if you didn't know them and whatever, you, you know, you'd, you'd have to compensate them for their time for, for something, no matter what you did, whether it be real estate or uh, mm -hmm. coaching or... So I feel like um, that is a nice derogatory spin when people say things like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. I have so many things I want to say, and I'm going to just like be the host here and not take over. But Brian, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the way I view it too is in a way, just same with how you remembered my name, just because we had worked together. You remember, like sometimes you remember the people that you, you interact the most with and that's how human nature works. And that's how, you know, relationship building works. And certainly I think, you know, uh, the actors who come to our studio after they have their training at their conservatories, oftentimes with acting teachers who haven't worked maybe in the real world in 50 years, like Mm -hmm. part of the educational aspect here is being under the supervision of like somebody who's actively working, a casting director, a filmmaker, like reps that they actually know the the trends in the real world. Because, you know, this industry changes so quickly. What is valid now wasn't valid three years ago. And what was valid three years ago wasn't valid 10 years ago. So Mm -hmm. it's a different kind of training, different kind of professional development education. But it's like part of you know, our slogan where actors find success, part of relationship building, not just in the entertainment industry, but in any industry is FaceTime, is getting a chance yeah. to know someone's quirks and their dislikes and having the chance to showcase your work and, and hope that there might be an opportunity. And we also don't want to negate that or say that never happens or even say that that shouldn't happen because in a way, my direct answer to the pay to play thing is let's all try to try to pass the straight face test. Let's not Yeah, totally. Totally. I'm going to share a couple of things and you can edit this out if you want. But as I was listening to both of you, one thing that I think is different than 10 years ago is there are so many safeguards in place to protect the actor, right? So right before you came on board, Brian, there was quite a hullabaloo in Los Angeles. And because of that, laws were passed in order to safeguard the actors. So for me, this whole idea of, especially you all, but being pay to play, it's like, that's irrelevant. The actors are now really, really protected. And if you're a company that's been around for 30 years, of course, you're abiding by the laws and the rules and the guidelines that are in place or you wouldn't still be around. But the other thing that came up for me was, And it's how I try to relate to money. Money is a very simple expression of appreciation. And so if I am an actor and my intention is to build a career that I am proud of, by investing in a structured way to form connections and build relationship, that is an expression of appreciation toward myself, toward the industry that I'm a part of, toward the professionals that I want to collaborate with. Like it can be a really beautiful exchange and actually much more powerful than this idea that an actor is supposed to like sit at home reading Shakespeare every day and hope for a big break. That is the most disempowering thing I can think of. So to be offered an opportunity to invest in yourself in this way where you know you're being cared for, I think is such, such a gift. And when the industry can bring that same level of appreciation and respect to what is a a wonderful exchange then it's just like a beautiful experience for all. And this exchange of appreciation in the form of money is not only appropriate, but in my opinion, it should be revered. So take that, everyone. <laughs> and you know what's so funny? It's nice when you go, oh, like the, the old way. And 
the old way, it's like, you know, you're reliant on your agent or your manager who makes 10% and is only going to put in 10% of the work for your career and, you know, waiting for the phone to ring. And also like, what if you didn't go to Juilliard and Yale and had an amazing showcase Mm. five years, 10, and then, you know, you don't get a rep and then, and then it's back to the bus to, you know, Iowa. (laughs) And uh, like you said it, I think it's a very empowering thing. It, it it puts people like in charge of uh, their careers as they should. They take ownership of the relationship building. And absolutely. I, I, I would say from the, like Mark said, from the act of doing in these classes, you know, you may not learn audition technique or cold reading or monologues or any of that stuff, but you know what that casting director is going to be like from your three weeks with them in the classroom here. So when you actually go into the audition room, you kind of already know they may be a little snarky. They may be not looking at you and that, that no longer throws you off your game when there's a very important opportunity out there. Right. Right. That's such a valuable point. Yeah. So let's talk about, I want to know, Brian, this might be a good one for you. What's something about running one-on-one next level that you think might surprise people out there or something that people might not be aware of? We, I would say we are a very, um, we, we hold prof- like professionalism in high regard when our yeah. training process for actors, we always say it's not just about talent, but it's about professionalism. And I remember before the last two and a half years in New York, when we had in-person auditions, you know, the actors would come in with two monologues or they'd come in with a scene and I was sitting in on, you know, us running these. I remember seeing like Mark kind of give people feedback and redirects and adjustments. And he was telling me like, some of it isn't even just to see their acting. And if, if they can actually take an adjustment, some of it to see, is to see their attitude. And if they fight you, mm. if they give you like a feisty response, if they don't want to take feedback, you don't want that person in a class with a big casting director who, you know, some of them are amazing teachers, but some of them, like they're not acting teachers and maybe their feedback an actor would disagree with, but it doesn't do anyone any good to have negative that kind of negative energy in the room. So I think people know that we hold professionalism in high regard. And I think uh, maybe something people don't know is we don't just hold it with our actors. We actually hold it with our industry as well. We, I would say uh, something people may not know is we are much more strict with our industry than with our actors. And as Mark said, you want to surround yourself by people that you bring good energy that, you know, that uplift you. We have plenty of industry that we never have back or don't, don't plan on ever having because of that. And um, we hold our, our community to high standards. So that, that's definitely one thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. And also just understanding, you have an understanding of the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Right. Of if you don't hold everyone to the same high standard, how that can either slowly or very alarmingly impact the experience for all. So, yeah. Yeah. I think people, I think here, because we care about every little detail, like I always joke about this, but like even when we do our programs, like our Atlanta trip or our, our like super showcase or, you know, our advanced industry workshop, you usually end with like a nice little celebration. We end with, want to have some alcohol and people have fun and, and, and have a mixer. But we're so specific that if we notice there's like more men than there are women, like for our Atlanta trip, we'll actually make a point of getting more beer. It's like it's like every little detail here is like taken into account. And I really credit that to Mark because he's very detail-oriented in that aspect. But I think 
because we we leave no stone unturned, I always say, I was like, if I gave the actors or the industry or the readers or the staff 100% of what they wanted, someone else would not get what they want. So in a way, mm-hmm. the day-to-day running here is like, we're, like, we want everything to come together. We can't give everyone everything that they want because in a way it robs the other uh, mm-hmm. group of their experience. So we really have to find a middle ground for this, this whole thing to actually run. And uh, yeah. I want to just chime in on on top of his, which goes back a little bit to pay to play, which is, you know, and Shakespeare said it best, like, thou doth protest too much. There was a prominent casting director that we approached. And, uh, you know, we asked her to teach. She said, I love teaching. I love teaching. I just can't teach at your studio. And we said, why? She goes, you charge the actors. I just... I just cannot, uh, you know, I'll do a university once a year, but, and I'd love to teach and I would love to do a three week class, but I just can't, you charge actors. There's just something not right about it. And I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Name your favorite charity and we will not charge the actors and we will donate $2,000 to your favorite charity. If you can teach your three week class. And she was like, I'll have to check my schedule and get back to you. I just, you know, so all of a sudden the balls, she, she ended up never teaching and we really did try to um, follow through several times, but you know, it's, it's like those people who are so quick to judge, you know what I mean? Just watch it. As Shakespeare said, just watch a little bit about the person who's really uh, on the pedestal. Yeah. Right. Right. So you're not allowed to charge the actors, but I need to be paid. (laughs) <laughs> right that sums things up very well yeah. well and uh, i just shut it down mark like universities also charge actors yeah we were willing to pay her and, and yeah. if she didn't want to be paid we were going to donate money to her favorite charity but it wasn't yeah. about that it was about she wanted to get on the pedestal and yeah right yeah anyway yeah right we could go down that path but i do want to say that universities also charge actors yes like, a of lot. course a lot uh, yeah. <laughs> yes yeah. Uh, Mark, is there anything else about about the business, whether that's the day-to-day or just the bigger picture, or the intentionality behind the business that you want to share that might surprise listeners? If you took us behind the scenes, is there something else you want to add there? We're always trying to listen to our audience. We feel like there's never enough we can do to make the experience as good as possible. And just like that for an actor... I feel like when you have that certain mindset, magical things will always happen and good things will always happen because as we started with this whole thing, if the intention is there, 30 years go by and you're a working actor and you look back and you're like, how did this happen? Mm -hmm. The dots somehow connect. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I'm so, I got to tell you, I am every day. I'm so grateful when I wake up that I was part of this, that I met Brian, that I met you, that it's almost like a miracle happened, but Mm -hmm. a miracle wouldn't have happened if one foot didn't go in front of the other. Yep. And that's for an actor, the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. I think that leads us to a great question to wrap things up with, which is if you just look at the actors who are a part of your program, who are the most successful, if you could pick one characteristic or one thing that they do that other actors don't do, like what is the thing that seems to set them apart? 
I think the the word attitude is overused, but there is something about their energy that is pleasant, that is graceful, that is, I think you would use uh, this in the past, of service. You enjoy being around them. And Mm -hmm. I think so many people don't realize, and it's easy, you know, it's a a tough career. And a lot of actors, they get into this tough headspace and, you know, is this real? Is this a scam? Is this casting director worth it? Why don't they like me? And I want them to, but that energy is, it it can be really off-putting and people can feel it. I always say like when I was checking people in, when I first started at Next Level, I could instantly feel when an actor had that type of energy. Or number two, when they were like jaded and over it and they were like, what's the point? And they came in with that, that kind of that, negative energy, negative vibes. I didn't even have to look at them. I could just be like, you know, at the check-in podium, like looking down my paper and somebody walks in and I can just feel it. And if I can feel it, the casting associates, the casting directors, the managers, the agents, they can feel it because they go through like thousands of these a day. So however, it's like the ones with really great energy, that's not always the majority of, uh, you know, of the people. And it's like a refreshing, like eucalyptus, like scented, like (laughs) fresh air that goes in your face. And you naturally want to gravitate towards those people. You naturally... If you're in the industry, you naturally want to give them opportunity. We naturally want to have them here as readers. We, it's like you just you, like you gravitate towards them because it's almost like everyone else is jaded or has the yeah. is doing the fake thing. And um, I will say, just seeing a lot of our readers, our staff, or, you know, Zoom hosts who do and our actors, our members who do find success, like are they talented? Absolutely, but it's not always the ones where you're like, wow, they are the most talented, or like they mm. are above and beyond. Like you know, they're the next Meryl Streep. You know, they're great. But what I notice is the people who truly have good attitude, they're, they're a pleasure to be around, you want to work with them, they get signed and they get called in and they book. And yeah. um, I've even had reps directly tell me, hey, you know, I saw this guy at the showcase or this actress at the showcase. She was good. She was fine. Her scene was good. But I didn't feel a burning desire to that I had to rep them. They weren't like, you know, but they stayed persistent. And they stayed persistent in a nice, graceful, like, you know, giving way. And that has to mean something. And I signed them. And sure enough, one year later, they are working more than the ones I saw at the showcase where I was like, they are the most talented. I have to have them now because it's a ripple effect. Two words, Dallas. I, I yeah. come up with humility yep. and authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. That just summarizes what Brian said so perfectly, what I jotted down. Because the question was like, what are they doing that other actors aren't doing? And it's not what they're doing. It's how they're doing it. That's what I heard you say, Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me to come on your show and interview you. you. This was so much fun for me. There there was no one else we would invite other than you for our 30th because you brought (laughs) us together. (laughs) You really did. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Dallas. Yeah, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thanks for doing the work that you do and for creating such an opportunity for a community of people who are so committed to telling the stories that need to be told in order to help humans heal and connect with one another. And you play such a big role in that. Uh, It's just an honor for me to get to be in this space with you and to witness the hard work that you put in. So thank you so much to both of you. Thank you, Dallas. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done it yet, grab the Backstage Pass. Don't treat this podcast as mere background entertainment. The Backstage Pass offers exclusive resources and behind-the-scenes footage that empower you to make a real impact on your career.